Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me today. Julian Campbell here, and we've got an interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiotis. We'll also be talking with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre about the importance of excellence to your business. But right now, we're going to pop over and have a chat with Dave Sheeran from WorkCover about volunteers. Good afternoon, Dave. Good afternoon, Julian, and a very good afternoon to all of your listeners. So uh, this is an interesting talk about volunteers, because uh, we both know volunteers are a valuable asset to the community, and they do a fantastic job. My understanding is that volunteers are now covered under the new Work, Health and Safety Act. Why is that? Well, Julian, historically the um, the Australian courts have long recognised that uh, volunteers are owed a general duty of care uh, by the people and organisations they support. Now, in addition to the general protection afforded by um, Australian law, states and territories have extended protections under former occupational health and safety legislation to volunteers who worked in employment-like settings. However, the obligations imposed on volunteer organisations and the protections afforded to volunteers across the jurisdictions varied, and that was one of the big problems. Therefore, the model work health and safety laws ensure that all volunteers who carry out work for a business or undertaking nationwide enjoy the same protections. So, so from what you've said, is it safe to say that all volunteers will now be regarded as workers? Yes and no. <laughs> the reason I say that is because if I am a volunteer, I have to work for a PCBU, so a person conducting a business or undertaking. So first we have to identify if the volunteer organisation is a PCBU. How do we do that? Does the volunteer organisation have any paid employees? So if they've got paid employees, once the volunteers are engaged by that um, volunteer organisation, which we will now refer to as a PCBU, mm. they then become a worker of that PCBU. See, large organisations such as um, uh, the Surf Life Saving Australia, um, Meals on Wheels, etc., etc. However, we also have volunteer associations. Now, they are different um, because they have no paid employees and they're generally working together for one or more community purposes, such as a local sporting club or something like that. So mm. if a volunteer, which is generally the mums and dads of that sporting, uh, of the kids of that sporting club, so they won't be workers, but the previous information I've provided, if it's a PCBU, mm. then the volunteer will be regarded as a worker. Okay, so I'm a PCBU. What duties will I owe a volunteer? Well, you'll have basically the same duties as um, the employers used to have under the existing legislation, and that will be to ensure as far as reasonably practicable the health and safety of those workers and others at that place of work. So things like if I'm going to get the volunteer to do some work for me, I firstly look at them now as a worker and their entitlements to things like um, information, instruction, training. So if I want them to do a particular job, I've got to make sure they're informed, trained and instructed in that activity. Do they have a safe procedure to follow to do that activity? If I want them to operate plant equipment and machinery, um, mm -hmm. have they been trained in that? Is the plant equipment and machinery safe? So has it been maintained? Um, and, you know, things like um, the environment itself and facilities for their welfare as well. So it'll be the same duties that... Um, PCBUs currently have for their own workers. Okay, so I suspect then that uh, as a PCBU, um, a volunteer will owe me a duty of care too. Absolutely, 
and that's a good thing because it's not about the PCBU doing everything uh, for the volunteer. The volunteer will also owe the PCBU a duty, and, and those duties are identical to worker duties such as taking care or reasonable care for their own health and safety by what they do. So if they're doing a job and uh, there are people within proximity to that job, say they might be operating a whippersnipper, as an example, cutting some grass. Well, uh, by taking care is to you know, stop the activity and ask those people to move away from there so no one's harmed, as, as a simple example. Mm. And also their omissions. So what they don't do, what they forget to do, if they leave things lying around and people trip over them, then you've got to argue that they're not taking reasonable care. Mm. Um, the other thing is... The, the volunteer must comply with any reasonable instruction from the PCBU. So if there's areas where the PCBU doesn't want the volunteer to go, then the volunteer can't go into those areas because that would be deemed a reasonable instruction. And finally, there would be um, uh, cooperation um, of the volunteer with the PCBU in regard to any policies and procedures that the PCBU might have in place. Mm. Now, on previous occasions, we've talked about uh, consultation process under the Act. Um, so for the, from the consultation point of view, does that now mean that the PCBU consults with the um, volunteer as well? That's correct. Uh, the, the, there's always been a legal duty under the Act for, for, for employers to talk, uh, consult with employees and now it's PCBUs to consult with workers. This now includes those volunteers' workers, mm. workers rather, in relation to any health and safety matters. And I think the other thing to take into consideration is that it gives the volunteer an opportunity to contribute um, to the improvement of health and safety within that PCBU. So they might have worked with other volunteer organisations and they might have done the jobs a little bit differently and a bit safer and they can make those suitable recommendations for health and safety improvement within that respective PCBU. Mm. So some organisations would have a very large volunteer uh, workforce uh, with a substantial number of, wo of uh, volunteers working. How, how would they consult with all those great number? Well, and, that, and that's a, an interesting question because historically what we look at in the form of consultation is health and safety committee, health and safety representative, as we've discussed on your program historically, and other agreed arrangements. Now, what the, with regard to volunteer organisations and the diversity and geographical um, locations of these volunteers, what we're saying to them is, is that, you know, if... if if it's opportunistic, hold a meeting and, mm. and, and discuss that and have an agenda as such. If it's not, then, you know, include um, health and safety information in things like regular newsletters, um, sending regular emails to volunteers regarding the health and safety issues and the safe working practices. So, you know, basically it, 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 it's what the PCB able, will be able to, the PCBU will be able to do mm. with regard to trying to consult with those volunteers. Can we shorten PCBU? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> so uh, last time we last time we spoke about uh, the work safety safe work awards, uh, they're still currently going on, aren't they? Yep, uh, mate. A couple of dates to for your uh, listeners to enter into their diaries. It did open uh, the Safe Work Awards uh, for 2012. Did open on Monday, the second of April. Um, entries will close at 5 p.m. on Friday, the eighth of June. Mm -hmm. Now, those nominations or nominees uh, will be shortlisted by the 27th July. Now, if they are shortlisted, then they will be invited to a, um, uh, have a site visit, and that will be occur between August 6th of August and 17th of August. And then the awards ceremony, which is a great night, is...
is on the 25th of October. Excellent. So a couple of dates to pencil into the diary there for the listeners. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Dave, and uh, we'll have a chat with you again next month. You're more than welcome, Julian, and I'd like to wish you and your listeners a safe and happy day. Take care. Thank you. Dave Sheeran there from WorkCover, helping us to understand the, the, the position of volunteers in the new Work Health and Safety Act. Well, now it's time to cross over to the Business Growth Centre and have a chat with Brett Gleeson. Good afternoon, Brett. Yeah, hi, Julian. Thanks once again for joining us. Today we're talking about uh, excellence. We talked about the Business Excellence Awards last week. Well, today we're going to talk about excellence. How do we define excellence? Well, it's setting and achieving a very high standard and maintaining that standard over a long period of time, not just on, on occasion. So... You know, as a customer, we need to know that uh, the people we're doing business with um, are working at a very high standard and we can rely on that that standard uh, all the time. We want to be confident, say, let's say yeah, we're, we're uh, uh, using a plane, well, we want to make sure that that pilot is excellent uh, at what he does and, and does that every single time he, he, he uh, flies a plane and we've got a mechanic looking after our car, we want them to be excellent that all the time. And uh, not just you know, not just some of the time. And if we've got a surgeon, then we definitely want to make sure that they're excellent at what they do. Uh, and so it's about you know, getting that very high standard and, and mm. uh, being the best you possibly can be and doing that all the time. So, um, and that applies equally to the admin assistant in the business and the receptionist as it does to the, the, uh, the manager. So obviously there's benefits. What, what sort of benefits do we get from having excellence in our business? Well, it's, I guess it's the confidence of the customer. Uh, they know that you will achieve a high standard and you'll do that all the time uh, and they can rely on you. Therefore, they can have the confidence in your business uh, and that uh, yeah, they will get that repeat business and you'll be very successful about it. And as we spoke about last week, you said yeah, about awards. Well, then if you're excellent at what you do, then you will awards. And this is another way of validating um, that you are excellent, uh, you're being peer-assessed, uh, and uh, it's not just you, you saying that you're excellent, but that other people who are your peers will say that you're excellent. And again, people will keep coming back, and other businesses will want to buy from you and be associated with you, and uh, you'll be recognised uh, for that achievement of, of excellence, and, and you're considered a, a leader in your field. The real big benefit, Julian, is that um, people will want to come and work for you, and not just anyone, but the best people will want to come and work for the best companies. So you can attract uh, the very best in, in their fields and you can maintain uh, a very good, solid team uh, of people who want to uh, achieve because their personal values for excellence match the business's uh, mm. values for excellence and you get all that passion and the commitment and the enthusiasm for excellence uh, going right through the whole of the team and uh, you know, they, they just don't accept second best and uh, a very good, healthy environment to have in your business. So obviously you've mentioned that one of the ways of testing excellence would be to go in for the awards and those sorts of things. What can I do to improve my excellence? Well, really it comes back to, I guess, three, three things. Uh, firstly, the business owner or the manager uh, leading by example. So they have to show that they are passionate about excellence and they want to, want to strive for that and they must do that themselves. We're all, you know, we're all human, so we don't always get there all the time, but they must show that they strive for excellence and they do achieve that uh, in some part of what they do, and that passion will shine through. The second thing is that you've got to create a culture in your business that acknowledges the pursuit of excellence as the ideal uh, and the benefits that will come from that. So everyone has to, has to recognise that value of 
of excellence and it just becomes a part of the culture of the organisation. It's, it's the way we do things around here. We achieve excellence. We are good at what we do and that permeates through through the business. The third thing is you can come to the Business Growth Centre and do a workshop called Taking Your Business From Good To Great and that's on the 31st of May uh, in the morning, 9 to 12 uh, and the uh, details are on our um, the website, uh, businessgrowcenter.org.au. So three practical things that you can do to um, mm. take your business uh, to that uh, state of excellence. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, uh, Brett, and we'll have a chat with you again next week. Great. Thanks, Julian. Brett Gleeson there from the Business Growth Centre, helping us to understand the importance of excellence. Well, now it's time for a minute on innovation with Christina Sikiotis from the Hunter TAFE. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. Thanks once again for joining us. And I think we've got a special discussion on innovation this week, the Innovation Festival. Yeah, we do, Julian. The Hunter Central Coast Innovation Festival is a wonderful opportunity to celebrate and promote the innovation that goes on in our region all year round. It's a terrific way to bring businesses together and also to inspire others into innovative practice. The festival launches tomorrow at the Newcastle Museum with Greg Combay and Peter Westfield, who's the chair of the Australian Innovation Festival. He's going to speak as well. Um, during the following couple of weeks, innovation will be centre stage in workshops, displays, training expos, all kinds of events. The mini Pult of Doom promises to be great fun. It's an event aimed at Year 4 students at Newcastle Basketball Stadium. Students have to build a catapult and fire it off at a target. I think that'll be great fun for the students. Lee Baines from Enterprise Connect and HunterNet will run a couple of process and aptitude sessions and Create and Innovate will be holding a brighter ideas for your business expo on May the 16th. We're very excited about a Q&A session we've got happening at MBN Studios with Brian McGuigan, um, Dr Eileen Doyle who sits on many boards including the CSIRO, Jeff Phillips from Valley Engineering and Helen Lees who's got some great innovative practices from St Phillips Christian College. There'll be some inspirational conversation happening there and the Valley Electric Car will be in the studio. Um, Create and Innovate are also holding a workshop on the Central Coast. Details about all the events at the festival, um, Hunter Central Coast Innovation Festival Googled will bring you up to the website. It'll be a great couple of weeks, but we're really looking to this as a starting point, brazenly shouting about innovation practices already happening at CSIRO, at HMRI, Newcastle Innovation and at Hunter TAFE. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Christina. And as you say, we want innovation all the year round, not just for a couple of weeks, don't we? That's right. We want it, we want it ingrained into everything. And we'll have another minute on innovation with you next week. Okay, Julian, I look forward to it. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've had a look at uh, the importance of uh, volunteers to work cover with Dave Sheeran there and the importance of excellence to your business. Uh, and just as another reminder, with that innovation uh, uh, festival going on for the next couple of weeks, there's so many events. There's one called Discover How to Harness Your Creative and Innovative Mind with Damien McConnell. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have another chat with Brett Gleeson and look at some more business and legal news that may affect your business. Plus, of course, some more interesting tips, stories from successful business people and your minute on innovation. I'd love your company again at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week. And as Earl Nightingale once said, excellence always sells.